back in 1 Thessalonians today. Uh, Paul ended his letter to the Thessalonian Christians with uh, 20 important instructions. And the three commands that we'll look at this morning are absolutely essential to a life of joy and fellowship with God. If you practice these three things, you will prosper spiritually, emotionally, and psychologically. Uh, these verses bring to my mind a quote that I read years ago from a uh, great theologian, Francis Schaeffer, uh, who said, true spirituality brings substantial healing of our psychological problems. Well, these three commands will bring substantial healing to your heart and your mind and your soul. But most importantly, these three commands are the will of God. They are what God wants for you. He desires that you and I and all who are in Christ Jesus would live in joy and in thanksgiving and in continual prayer, fellowship with Him. Uh, these three commands this morning are uh, mainly to help us live life with God on the inside. If you were here a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the commands that we looked at last time mainly helped us live with one another in the church family. Well, these three commands mainly help us to live life with God on the inside or in your heart. David prayed in Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Well, that's what Paul is talking about here. He's talking about the meditation of your heart, things that need to happen inside of you, in your heart. Uh, you and I cannot control all the outward circumstances of our lives, but we can cultivate what goes on in our heart. And absolutely nothing can stop us from rejoicing, praying, or giving thanks. And this will create a, a feast inside of you. Proverbs 15, 15 says, A cheerful heart has a continual feast. It, the three commands create a prosperity of heart or prosperity of soul. And that's why Paul was able to say in a, diff, in a different passage, obviously, but in a different passage, he said, even though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Outward things can look really, really bad, but yet on, on the inside, in the heart, where we really live, we can continue to be prospering and doing well. John Gill said on this passage, the internal hidden man of the heart continually prospers. Our souls are in good health. The comforting work of God is carried on in us. We have sweet and repeated experiences of the love of God. We are growing in grace and in the knowledge of Christ. That all happens inside of you and largely as you obey these three commands for your heart. But also as you learn to rejoice and pray and give thanks, everyone around you will be blessed too. Joy is a ministry to others. Uh, that's why C.S. Lewis said we owe it to one another to be as happy as we can. Uh, it's just very difficult to have any kind of ministry to others with a grumpy attitude 
or a sullen countenance or disposition. Um, there's an old saying, I'm sure everybody here has heard it, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, you know, a, a depressed or angry mama can color the emotions of an entire family, and it's same, tr- same is true of, of an angry or sullen, withdrawn father. And grumbling can pull down an entire church. Uh, so it is, it, is, it is so important that we practice these things not only for our own heart and well-being, the prosperity of our own souls, but for the well-being of everybody around us. Now, does this mean that we should uh, never express our pain or our sorrow or grief or disappointment? Of, of course not. Uh, we suffer in this world. We, we preach that a lot here at this church. We talk uh, boldly about the, the suffering that, that the Scripture uh, says that we will have in this world. We, we groan. We weep. Uh, But even in sorrow and disappointment, we choose in our hearts also to rejoice and to pray without ceasing and to give thanks in all circumstances. It's not easy, but it is possible. Uh, You won't do it perfectly, but you can consistently become a joyful, thankful, prayerful person. And you have got to believe that. Nothing will short-circuit the the power and the impact of these verses on your life more than if you simply write them off as unrealistic or far-fetched. Of course, they would be impossible if you did not have the the Spirit of God. Uh, But as Paul said, the same Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you or dwells in you He does a lot of things, but one of the things that he does is to produce these three qualities inside of you that we're going to talk about this morning. Now, another really important element in these commands, or a qualifier, I might say, of these commands, is that we are to rejoice and pray and give thanks always, at all times, in all things or in all circumstances. Um, Now, if Paul said uh, to pray uh, once in a while, or or to rejoice from time to time, or to give thanks now and then, uh, then these would be be among the most insignificant verses in the Bible. Because who doesn't do that anyway? It is Paul's insistence that we do these things continually that rocks our soul. It's the always, the all times, and in all things that challenges the status quo of our low level of thinking or living. It's it's the always that wakes us up. That's the shocking part about these verses. And so we can't miss that. I just happened to be reading a quote that Elizabeth Elliot shared this week And uh, it said, why would you read a book that does not wake you up like a fist knocking on your head? I thought that was really profound and it actually really challenged me about (laughs) what do I read. Why would you not, why would you read a book that does not wake you up like a fist knocking on your head? In other words, read 
stuff that changes your life. And of course, the Word of God is like that. Jeremiah says, the Lord says, that His Word is like a hammer that shatters a rock. So these three commands are like that. They do just that. They, they come in to break up bad habits in our hearts and they come to do a remodeling work or a renovation work in your hearts. And they will if we take them seriously just as they are written. And then Paul strengthens uh, these three commands with this conclusion. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. God desires this. God wants this. He wants this new and better way of living for all who are in Christ Jesus. You know, when we talk about things like we're going to talk about this morning, uh, some people might say, well, these things are just not my personality. But of course they're not your personality. Your personality is fallen. And your personality needs to be renovated to be renewed by the Spirit of God. And God will do that work. He will work these things into your personality, whatever it is, as you respond in obedience and a desire to obey these from your heart. Or some people might say, my life is uh, too stressful uh, and busy to do these things. Uh, and they, they justify being upset and cranky a lot of the time. Uh, but Paul said, we are coming up against something here that is the will of God. If we resist these commands, we are, we're, 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 we're not pushing back just against an idea. We are pushing back against God himself. So, kind of with that big picture overview, uh, let's take each one of these commands and, and work through this. All right, the first command is, Rejoice always. Charles Spurgeon said, Glory be to God, or glory be to the God of happiness who bids his children to be happy. I like that. That's one of the things in, in, in all the places in Scripture that exhort us to rejoice and to be glad. Uh, I'm always thankful that I serve a God who wants me to rejoice. Uh, we serve a God who wants us to to be glad and to rejoice and to shout for joy. And I think that's what Spurgeon was saying by, by this. Glory be to the God of happiness who bids his children to be happy. As I already said, but I, I, think, it, I think it is worth repeating, there are seasons of tears and pain and sorrow and deep grief. And we acknowledge those realities in this fallen world. Uh, but God also calls, calls us to joy and thanksgiving even in the, the darkness of life or what we would call the bad things of life. So whether our business is failing or our, our kids have caused us pain or whether we're surrounded by enemies, whether our health has failed, whether we are suffering injustice, the Bible still says rejoice always. Again, I quote Spurgeon. He said, there is no limit to this exhortation. It is always in season. Through fire and through water, through life and through death, 
rejoice evermore. So what is rejoicing? The word means gladness or great delight. Uh, there's an exuberance. There is a happiness in this word. Uh, Christians typically make a distinction between happiness and joy. Uh, the Bible does not divorce happiness from joy. Uh, there is a difference between uh, a shallow, silly, frivolous kind of emotion uh, versus a deep, strong, inner joy that rises up even in sorrow. But there, there, there is a danger, I think, of communicating that, that Christians can somehow be joyful but unhappy. Uh, Psalm 144, 15 says... Happy are the people whose God is the Lord. And if we strip the element of being happy in the Lord from the command to rejoice, I think we take something from the power and the challenge of this command to us. Uh, there's a website, uh, gotquestions.org. I know you might chuckle when I say that, but it's actually a very sound, sound um, site that you can go to. And here's what it said uh, about this, uh, this scripture verse. If a person is joyful, then he or she is happy. There is no such thing as glum joy. Uh, we cannot drain joy of emotion and still call it joy. When God's spirit gives us joy, then we become happier people. God, our Christians should be joyful. Happiness should characterize our everyday lives. Our source of happiness is really what makes our Christian happiness different. We are happy. It's just that we are happy in the Lord. We're happy in God. We're not trying to find happiness in a dirty joke or drunkenness or a sexual sin or in the world's pleasures. The source of our happiness is in the Lord and in the things of the Spirit of God. John Wesley uh, wrote quite a bit about the combination of happiness and holiness and how they go together. And he said, holiness and happiness are the natural fruit of true Christian faith in this present life. He said, the desire for happiness is godly. It is the end of our being, meaning it, it's... It's the final outcome. It's where God eventually is going to take us to, to a place of perfect and complete joy forever and ever. It's the end of our being. We are, we are made to be happy in God. Uh, commenting on the uh, revival that Wesley and others were involved with in England, a guy named Ted Runyon said, one of the real outcomes of this revival in England was that it unleashed a sense of inward happiness which effectively freed many people from the drudgery and the burden of 18th century common life. The gospel has the power to make us happy. The gospel has the power to make us rejoicing people, even as we're commanded to rejoice always. One other scripture I want to share with you from Jeremiah 31, 13, uh, which describes the Lord's future or ultimate plan for your joy, for our joy as God's people. Then shall the young women rejoice with dancing, and the young men and the old 
shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I mean, that's, that's God's, that's looking out in the future. I mean, that's where God is taking us. That's uh, the ultimate end for us. And, and God wants us to partake of that now. He wants us to learn to rejoice always. Okay, but how do we do that? How do we rejoice always? I'm going to share quickly four things, and then we're going to move on to the other uh, two important commands here. How do we rejoice always? First, uh, set your mind on things that produce joy. Uh, Cindy and I have often shared a quote uh, which says, set your mind on joy-producing realities. That's how you have joy. Set your mind on things that do produce joy. Romans 5, Paul said, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Uh, we see the goodness and the glory of God every day. And we do see something of the glory of now. With unveiled faces, we are now beholding the glory of the Lord. And we, we rejoice in that. But the future glory that God has for us is the, is the uh, unshakable rock of our joy. Jesus said, rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Our joy cannot ultimately be tethered to our accomplishments and victories here on earth. That, that's just not stable enough. Uh, life is a drama. There's ups and downs. Uh, failure, success, there's all, all of that. Our joy must be anchored to the future glory of heaven. And that, that's why Jesus said, hey, guys, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you. Here's, here's, here's the real foundation for your joy. Rejoice that your names are written down in heaven. Uh, years ago, uh, when Op Oprah uh, Winfrey, when her success was just starting to uh, take off, and she, she could see this uh, success ex really exploding in front of her, and, uh, and, sh and she, said, she said this in an interview. She said, uh, the future is so bright, it hurts my eyes. I mean, she felt like things were going so great for her, and she could see, you know, the, the money rolling in, the popularity, her success. And she said, wow, my future is so bright, it hurts my eyes. And I've always felt kind of sad that an unbeliever said that. That's what we should be saying. That's what Christians should be saying. My future, our future is so bright it hurts my eyes. We rejoice in hope of the glory of God. But our joy, it's not only rooted in the future. Uh, I mean, we experience hundreds of blessings every day. I mean, we, we see so much around us uh, every single day that we can rejoice in. And every single blessing of the gospel is a joy-producing blessing. Uh, and that's what we come back to here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, that to remind ourselves of these things, of, of the goodness of God, the, that our sins are canceled, we're not under condemnation, we're accepted by the Father, we are beloved, we are adopted as God's children. All that's right now. And the love of God has been poured out into our hearts. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit. Uh, God is working things now together for our good. And 
I always like to tell people, at some point, those things have to matter to you if you're going to be a happy or a joyful person. And if those things do matter to you, we have everything we need for a continual feast for our soul. All right, second way that, that we help, that help us rejoice always, is uh, to trust in the Holy Spirit. Uh, joy comes from the Holy Spirit. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the kingdom of God consists in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is essential to our joy. He is the, he's the power source of our joy. Uh, the Holy Spirit is like a mighty river uh, flowing from our innermost being. And he is advocating for joy in your inner being. He's, he's fighting for your joy. He's working in you to make you a person who will rejoice always. And, you know, when I, when I can't seem to find my joy, and that, that happens, uh, often I will just uh, say, Spirit of God, I trust in you to restore my joy. Restore me to a place of joy. And I, I really think that's what uh, David was saying in the Psalms when he said, you know, my heart and my flesh may fail me, but God is the strength of my heart. And so when our joy fails us, God himself, through the Holy Spirit, is, is the strength of our joy. Third, uh, choose, and the emphasis is on the word choose, choose to rejoice in the Lord as your way of facing life. Choose to rejoice as a way that you are going to come at life. Uh, you set your will to live this way. We can learn a lot from David in the Psalms. I mean, you just read through the Psalms, and that little phrase, I will, is just, just permeates the Psalms. David says, I will rejoice. I will bless the Lord. I will lift my hands in your name. I will, I will, I will. He chose that, and you can too. And then the last key uh, that I think helps us to rejoice always is, is to express it. Uh, when Paul said rejoice always, uh, I, certainly he meant to, to rejoice inside of us, to, for something to go on inside of us that we would uh, that we would rejoice, uh, but, but I think he also included in rejoicing always uh, the element of expressing it. Uh, I mean, Jesus said, uh, leap for joy. When you're persecuted, leap for joy. And so I think it's really important that we practice expressing joy. So, yes, go ahead. Uh, sing, even if you're not very good at singing. Uh, make a joyful noise. Uh, clap your hands. Lift your hands. Shout out a praise to him. Uh, that is not being a fake. It's just adjusting your heart to its rightful place of rejoicing in the Lord and then expressing it on your face and with your words and with your actions. And you might be surprised uh, 
how much it helps your inner joy when you just get down on your knees before the Lord and just say, Lord, I rejoice in you. No matter what's going on in my life today, you are my joy. And you just start praising him and expressing your happiness and your joy in him. All right, the next command in this passage is to pray without ceasing. Prayer is is talking with God or communion with God. Uh, Prayer is developing a a continual conversation with God in your inner person. Uh, The old Scottish commentator Alexander McLaren said, the essence of prayer is to have a heart and mind filled with the consciousness of God's presence. Okay, the essence of prayer is to have a heart and mind filled with the consciousness of God's presence and to have the habit of referring everything to him in the moment when we are doing it. That, as I take it, is prayer. And I think that's a pretty good understanding of what the kind of prayer is that Paul's talking about here. Of course, we can, we can pray on our knees, and I think there's times we should. Uh, we can pray with our eyes closed and our hands folded, uh, Paul said, uh, I want the men to pray with their hands lifted up or lifting holy hands. I mean, these are, these are all postures or, or outward positions of, of prayer, and they're all biblical. But ultimately, we pray in the Spirit. We, we fellowship with God in our spirit, and we pray in our spirit. Uh, and we can do that while we're walking, uh, wa- driving, working, uh, even while we are carrying on a conversation with someone. And actually, I think when we're carrying on conversation with someone, that's one of the most important times to be praying, asking the Lord for the right words and the right thoughts to share with this person and how you can bless them and lift them up and edify them and do good to them and have wisdom for maybe a complex situation or an answer that's not that easy. Just you, you're, you're always talking with God, asking him to help you. Uh, one of the examples of prayer in the Bible that I love is uh, when Nehemiah was talking to King Artaxerxes uh, about going back to Jerusalem and, and he wanted to go back and build the walls. I'm not going to go into the whole story. Uh, but, the, but the king, Artaxerxes, uh, said to Nehemiah, uh, what is it you want? And Nehemiah said, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Uh, Between the king's question and Nehemiah's answer, he prayed. And I don't think there was any big, long delay in the conversation. I don't don't think uh, Nehemiah said, hey, let me take a break and go in the other room and pray. Not at all. He was just praying as he was talking to the king. And he says, then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. And if we understand what prayer is, that makes perfect sense. It's this ongoing inner communion with God always at all times uh, in the spirit or in, in, in our spirit and with the spirit of God. Uh, prayer is the way we communicate to God everything. Uh, it's the way we communicate to God what we want, our, our desires, our emotions, our needs, uh, our sadness, our grief, our, our love for him, our gratitude, our praise, our worship. We all communicate all these things to God through prayer. Um, prayer is, is lifting up your soul to God. It's bearing your heart before God. 
one of the greatest definitions, I think, of prayer is in Psalm 62, 7 and 8, which says, Trust in him at all times, O people, and pour out your heart before him. Prayer is it's, it's pouring out your heart before God in every situation. You know, Jesus uh, just invited us to pray like little children. He just invited us to pray again and again and again. He made the invitation so open, and I could go to many different passages, but, you know, John 14, he said, if you abide in me, ask whatever you wish. And just that simplicity, just, just stay close to me and then ask whatever you wish. That's a big part of prayer. And it's, it's when we do that, when we believe that, that prayer becomes this living thing that we're just, we're just continually uh, talking with him and sharing with him what we need, what we want. I remember Josh talked on prayer. I can't remember what the passage was, but it's been probably a couple months ago now. But I remember I was so moved after that message to begin er every morning after I did my Bible reading, at least part of my prayer time, I was just going to think, okay, what do I wish? What do I want? the Lord Jesus to do for me today what do I want the Lord to do for me today and I just listing out different things maybe small things some of them maybe bigger things but just listing those out and then uh, then then watching uh, in the, the way in which the Lord the Lord answers prayer is supposed to be this very real uh, conversation with uh, the Lord who who loves us and who invites us to come to him and pray and ask whatever we wish you know, I happened to read recently uh, in, a, in, a, in a book a story about an, an older lady uh, who uh, was told that she shouldn't pray for parking spaces. I don't know what you think about that, so I might get in trouble with this story, but uh, she was told she shouldn't pray for parking spaces. And her response was, well, how else would I get one? When I'm driving around with my grandchildren, that's how we always get a parking space. You know, I'll bet you that grandmother uh, probably knew how to pray without ceasing. She knew how to carry on a, a conversation with God in, in all things, at all times. You know, we learn to pray without ceasing probably uh, about the same time that we really learn how needy we are and how desperate we are for God's help in our lives. Um, we learn to pray without ceasing when we recognize our neediness along with God's heart to meet the needs of his needy children. As when we recognize God's heart to supply our every need. Uh, a book that I read some time ago uh, on prayer by a guy named Paul Miller said, we don't need self-discipline to pray continually. We just need to be poor in spirit. And it's that being poor in spirit that drives us to pray without ceasing. All right, the third command <coughs> in, in this passage is to... Uh, uh, in everything, give thanks. In, 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 I think in some translations in ESV it says, give thanks in all circumstances. This is so 
absolutely essential um, to walking with God. This is so absolutely essential to living our life in fellowship with Jesus, to abiding in Christ, to walking in the Spirit. Uh, I mean, just so many times Paul uh, exhorts us to give thanks in all things to God, to the Father through Jesus Christ. Uh, this this is it's basic it's foundational uh, it's not it's not like something on the out on the outer edges of our Christian experience it's it's like one of the, one of the first things one of the most important things uh, Colossians two six and seven says just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord continue to walk in Him rooted and build up in Him established in your faith just as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. I mean, this is like one of the, one of the very, very few things or the, the handful of basic things that, that is supposed to be happening to us as after we receive Christ Jesus as Lord. We, we, we continue to walk with him um, in faith, being established in the faith, and just overflowing with gratitude. And of course, uh, we should be thankful in our hearts, uh, but the command here is to um, give thanks. To give thanks. Um, say it. Express it. Tell God, thank you. Uh, just, just develop a life, lifetime habit of, as, you're, as you're driving your car, as you're going through life as, you, as you're getting up in the morning, thank him for, the, for your sleep, for the morning, for life, for breath, uh, for his love. Just, you know, just always be telling God, thank you. Thank you, Father. Uh, Philippians uh, 4, 6, I think most, probably all, all, most of us know this verse. You know, ta- it's the verse that says, you know, don't be anxious about anything. Don't worry about anything, but with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what Paul is saying there, what the Holy Spirit is saying to us is, even though you have problems and anxieties, you must mix them with thanksgiving as you let God know what you want. And that's essential to experiencing the peace of God that Paul promises from that verse. And, you know, I've heard people talk about this, and I think it's really true. I mean, it does matter how you pray. And you can actually be worse off after you pray. (laughs) And one of the things that can make you worse off after you pray is your prayer just turns into grumbling and complaining and ticking off, listing off all, all your problems and everything that's going wrong. No, Paul says, yeah, let God know what's going on, what you'd want, but he said, do it with thanksgiving. So our prayers need to be mixed with thanksgiving. That's how important this, I- this is, that we should be always be giving thanks in all circumstances. You know, at some point, and I trust for most people here, this has already happened, uh, but at some point in your Christian life, you have to wake up and realize that God is not okay with you living in grumbling and complaint. It's just not okay. And this verse could do that today for you, for me, for all of us in some degree. Uh, again, this verse, it's, it's, it's like 
Elizabeth Elliot's quote. It's like that fist knocking on our skull saying, hey, wake up. Wake up. Start doing these things. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing in everything or, or in all circumstances. Give thanks. So pray that all of us would let the word of God have that effect upon us today. You know, when we read uh, this passage, you might think this verse would really be good for someone who is suffering, um, and it is. It is. When we're going through hard times, we need verses like this. We really do. But so often I've seen people whose outward circumstances are really good, and yet they can't, just can't seem to see how blessed they are, or to be thankful and to expressing gratitude. Um, so we all need this. We all need this. No matter what's going on in our life, no matter how, how our hard or how easy, uh, uh, how blessed we are, or, or, or how painful the things are that we're going through. This is, this is God's medicine for for every single one of us for our hearts all right and then i want to talk just a little bit about again this this phrase uh in all circumstances or in everything um, again this is uh an appeal to us by the holy spirit uh, not just to give thanks once in a while, but, but, to, but to give thanks uh, in all circumstances. Now, there, there is a hundred, hundreds of good things to give thanks for every day. Honestly, if we just had our eyes open, we, have, we, have, we could see them more, and there would be so many things that we could give thanks for. Uh, but we, we are, are also to give thanks in all circumstances, in circumstances that we call painful, or circumstances that we call trouble, or in circumstances that we call bad. Uh, I don't think you can do that without a bold belief in Romans 8.28. And I, again, I love the way this scripture ties, dovetails with our alternate Sundays in Romans 8. Romans 8.28, and we know that God causes, this is a New American Standard, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. What, what is happening to you, what has happened to you, uh, it is all working uh, for good. And if we, if we believe that, and if we believe it boldly, then we're safe. Uh, everything's going to be all right. Uh, we're secure. Nothing can ultimately work against us. And so we live with uh, Gratitude and thankfulness in all circumstances because we believe that verse, because we believe that promise. Now, I kind of wrestled with this passage, whether I should break it down into three different messages. Uh, I mean, these three commands all deserve plenty of attention, right? Uh, but the more I read this scripture, this short scripture over and over, uh, to me it seemed that the Holy Spirit had a purpose in grouping these commands together. I mean, just 
just read this. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Kind of goes together, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it, it's all a part of something that's so important for our souls, for our inner person. Um, they go together and taken together, they, they are God's recipe or God's medicine for your heart. Uh, and they are God's will uh, for you. They're God's will, his desire, his plan for your life. This is, this is I, mean, I mean, all of us want to know what is the will of God? What is, what's God's agenda for my life? What am I called to? Well, this, this is a really big part of it. This is God's agenda for you. To rejoice always, to pray without ceasing, and to give thanks in all circumstances. How would your life be different uh, if you seriously committed your heart to follow these three commands? Just think, think about it. How would your life be different if you seriously committed your heart to follow these three commands. How would your attitude be different? Uh, how would your countenance, and by that I mean I'm talking about the expressions on your face, how would the expressions on your face be different? How would your words be different if you seriously committed into your heart to follow these three commands? Do you want that? Don't be satisfied with less than that. That's, that's our aim. That's the, the higher ground we're heading toward. Let's, let's press on toward, toward that higher ground. All right, let's, let's pray. Father, we want to let you know uh, that we have heard your word.